Ho, 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 and welcome to another festive episode of the Lost Geeks podcast. Santa, Santa, don't forget to introduce our host and better give them a warning. The list is not looking good. <laughs> yes, uh, you two are almost making my naughty list this year, but without further ado, here's Doc and JT. Oh no, did you hear that? Uh, better make this one good. Yeah, There's yeah, no... we're going to have to straighten out a little bit or we're going to only get coal for Christmas. Although, with the price of uh, fuel, <laughs> I might take some coal in my stocking, but uh, maybe a, yeah, egg or chicken, so. But yeah, welcome to our special holiday episode. Yeah, and as promised, we're going to do kind of the history of Christmas and just various Christmas traditions. We are going to kind of focus on American North American traditions. The reason for that is just because as we were kind of researching, we found America's kind of a melting pot of a lot of these old traditions. And depending on the household and stuff, a lot of those old traditions have made their way here. Um, but maybe next year we'll kind of focus on some other countries and stuff. But it just this would have turned into like a several multi-part <laughs> episode, I think, if we had tried to hit every country in exactly what they do. But we are going to hit some different events from different countries and stuff too that have kind of made their way into american culture as well so and try not to worry too much we will try to make it as entertaining as possible else we'll end up with uh, the teacher from ferris bueller 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 <laughs> although if you've been listening this long you probably hopefully at least slightly enjoy our sense of humor so we'll try to include all of our normal stuff in it but we're going to kind of start off with well, I'll let you kind of lead us off here. I think you're going to kind of lead us into this first part here. So, so yeah, this all began kind of like our last holiday one with pagan traditions. What do you know? <laughs> this one, uh, starting in Scandinavia, uh, where the Norse celebrated Yule. And that started from December 21st. So basically their winter solstice through January. And it was in recognition of the return of the sun and fathers and sons would bring home really large logs that they would set on fire and they would basically just feast <laughs> until those logs burned out. And uh, from the research I've done, this could take about 12 days to burn out. So mm -hmm. yeah, if you could imagine feasting for 12 days. And this is basically where the Yule log kind of the tradition kind of started too so when I actually the yule log is one of the oldest christmas traditions i guess you could say yeah and they actually believe that each spark from the fire represented a new pig mm -hmm. or calf that would be born during the coming year so and i don't yeah go well, ahead. yeah one little quick interjection to that is i know one thing i had read and i don't know if it was specifically them or just other ones this was one of the only time of the year that they had an abundance of meat. And I think it was a lot of the butchering was done this time of the year. And that was one reason for the bigger feasts. I don't know if you had seen that and what you were looking at as well. I believe I had come across that. So that was well. the reason there was just extra meat and food to go around because of the time of the year it was. So they were a little more generous with it. Well, and I also believe that, and this may not be exactly right, but it's also been connected to the Germanic and Scandinavian celebration uh, to the wild hunt um, of the god Odin. Uh, but yeah, the Yuletide was traditionally celebrated during 
a period from mid-November to the about mid-January. And yeah. basically, it it's described as basically their own version of Christmas mm-hmm. with their own religious rites and has led to basically present-day customs being like you mentioned the Yule Log and Yule Goat Boar and Yule Singing. And the food, too, of course. I think the food is just about in every single tradition from every single country is, is like they eat. We eat a lot still to this day. <laughs> well, we eat you, those turkeys and hams. And yeah, you think of like we have one day, we have Thanksgiving, and then we have our Christmas feast, and then you have your New Year's feast. You know, we're talking one day of feasting, <laughs> 12 days. Uh, so we spread ours food. out over the course. Then you have your Super Bowl, of course. <laughs> the food's a little bit different, the Super Bowl, your dips and stuff. But yeah, you have these, I always say I always gain like all my weight for the year over the holidays between like things, well, Halloween, I guess, if you include all the candy from that, all the way <laughs> through Super Bowl. I put on my 10 or 15 pounds and spend the rest of the year trying to work it off. Yeah. And so another aspect of this that I found interesting is you know, and we'll get, obviously we're going to cover this later with Santa Claus and everything, but the Germanic people did honor the God Odin during, especially during this mid winter holiday, but the, they were terrified of Odin <laughs> and, yeah, and they, yeah. they believed that he made these nocturnal flights through the sky to observe his people and then would basically judge who would prosper and who would perish and because of this, many of them decided to stay inside. And so I feel like the, you know, probably Krampus and all of that kind of stems from this belief of being judged during this time. But you would, you know, if you think back to those ancient times, the winter months would roll in. It was a difficult time for everybody. And you would see many deaths happen during those months. So I could definitely see a connection, especially if you had a God like this of, you know, you better take care and do what you need to do or else Odin's going to smite you. And I think in trying to just tap a little, we kind of wanted to do a thing, a little, something a little different for this episode with just kind of discussing the holidays, just because we kind of like that. But just to tie it in a little bit to world building, you know, some of our holidays, we may decide to tie in and in your world when you're making holidays and stuff. Definitely, you can tie them in with a god or goddess. That's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and they've had several traditional celebrations that the Norse chieftains would celebrate. And then that all began changing as, obviously, the world changed. You had the rise in power of Rome and Christianity. Uh, But uh, Wiccans basically stemmed from this as well. And it's basically uh, celebrate, they celebrate basically the rebirth of the great horned hunter god, who is viewed as basically the newborn solstice sun. And I I found this really interesting because uh, we play fantasy Warhammer Total War. And so like, I feel like the Wood Elves drew a lot of inspiration from kind of this history because you have you know or you have Orion coming every summer for the hunt so when I was like doing all this research I'm like "Ah, I bet there was definitely inspiration taken from this 
Yeah, and <laughs> I think you could definitely see that in some other writing, fantasy writings and stuff too. I mean, there's lots of stuff that's taken from these different holiday traditions, pagan traditions especially. As we move forward in time, you have Rome come in to power and their winters were not as harsh. So you didn't have a lot of the fear that had come with the Norse side of it. And the basically their holiday celebration was Saturnalia. And mm-hmm. which it was a holiday in which they honored Saturn, the god of agriculture. And beginning in the week leading up to this winter solstice, it would basically continue for a full month. And it was kind of a wild time, as we had previously discussed, where <laughs> they'd party. They'd party yeah. out. Uh, food, drink were plentiful. And basically, social order was turned upside down. Everything was topsy-turvy for basically a whole month. Uh, I even found somewhere enslaved people were even given temporary freedom. uh, I actually had read that as well. Yeah, they were given temporary freedom to actually celebrate. And then, yeah, I think one historian uh, equated it to something like the purge, where the laws were suspended for a period of time. So you just think of this very disorderly party where anything goes very lewd and just crazy crazy times so it's kind of like the party we had in your campaign except it lasted a month (laughs) (laughs) pretty much so imagine what what you did and then multiply that by a month and there you go (laughs) yeah and i that was kind of what i had found and do you mind if we do you have anything else you want to tap in on that or do you want to I have a little bit on the Christian part and how it kind of ties into that as well. So there were uh, just yeah really quick um so yes they were given that um everything was closed and pretty much mm-hmm. everybody was participating into that but also around that time of the winter solstice they also observe uh Juvenalia which was a feast honoring the children of Rome in addition to members of the upper class, often celebrated the birthday of Mithra, uh, god of the unconquerable sun on December 25th. Yes. And so that's, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, that's the date. That's the big date, right? That's the one as a kid, we all look forward to. (laughs) And I think that'll be a good tie into what I want to talk about, but (laughs) sorry, I'll just keep jumping, jumping at it here, but yeah, so I had seen that same thing is that Mithra, the god of the unconquerable sun, and basically they were an infant god mm-hmm. that was born as a rock of a rock of a rock. And it was one of the most sacred days of the year in Roman, you know, for Rome. Yeah, you it's really weird. You have the Saturnalia and then just in this very kind of harsh like turn you have this kind of very serious and sacred day but you know guess the party's got to stop sometime so and again not to offend anybody with this but it tying that into the birth of jesus really the only date that december 25th comes from now that date in general that kind of time of the year it sounds like there was a lot of old traditions that got kind of built around that time but the only thing i could ever find of a definitive date of the 25th was this birthday of mithra 
And mm-hmm. it is true that the the Bible does not specifically state that the birth of Jesus was on December 25th. So a lot of what I had seen was actually argued was the Christians in order to try to kind of win people over to Christianity and the birth of Jesus was they put it on that date basically to kind of incorporate into the celebration that was already going on and kind of win over followers essentially. And I will say over time it's worked because now you see December 25th as being the Christian, more of the Christian holiday. It's, it has taken over over time. So it did work, but it does seem like that was why they picked the date of the 25th. Yeah. And I believe it was Pope Julius the first that, that yeah. actually chose December 25th that is what to, I found as well. to be the day uh, in an effort to, uh, like you said, adopt and absorb the traditions of Saturnalia and the pagan holidays. And so you get like this kind of from the Norse and Germanic, you get this very dark, <laughs> you know, grasping onto hope uh, in that time mixed with just this all-out party from the Romans, and I guess you mix those together with Christianity, and boom, you've got, yeah. you've got Christmas to, to an extent. Yeah, and I had noticed one thing I had seen, and like I said, there might be someone who's little, not that I don't know anything about the Bible, I've spent a lot of years in church and Sunday school, but maybe someone who's a little bit more knowledgeable on me can correct me on this, but my understanding about this too is a lot of what they said is a lot of the old prophets whether we're talking Jesus or not I realize he's more of God than the prophet but they were actually their death was actually more celebrated and that was the whole thing with Jesus dying at Easter you know that's why you see that is probably that holiday may have been celebrated before so the idea of celebrating the birth of him that's one reason why his birth the exact date may not have been recorded at the time but um, here is a fun fact, though, to, that I did find. I just found this fascinating about why, even if it wasn't specifically December 25th, the time of the year specifically, it could have been his birth. Now, there was actually an argument both ways, because you would think the main argument to be made is, why would shepherds be grazing their flocks during the winter, right? Because there was a story of the, the shepherds kind of following the star there and the wise yeah. men and stuff. So why would the shepherds be grazing flocks in the middle of winter? Well, supposedly in the, and obviously I don't live there, but the winters are pretty mild in Judea, supposedly. And also the most common breed of sheep in the area are, I'm pronouncing this wrong, but Awasi. And the rams and ewes are raised together and lambing actually occurs 85% of it during the months of September and March, but mostly in January. So actually, if you're just talking, and I agree this is one small component of it, but if you're talking just the shepherd part, it, it actually could make sense. So um, there was also some other quick reasons I found why they chose that time of the year. And they also tie in with some of this other stuff is, is one of when the days start getting longer around that time of the year. So it's chosen basically, and it's meant to be the triumph over paganism where the days start getting longer and they see Christ's light entering the world, kind of mirroring that. So it was, it was kind of interesting, I thought, because there was a lot of different reasons to kind of <laughs> see why all this happened. And obviously we don't know every exact detail of what happened back then, but you can kind of see where, why it happened. So um, just to add one more quick thing, or not really add, but either way, by the Middle Ages, Christianity had pretty much replaced pagan religion. So for whatever reason, it now it is celebrated as a Christian holiday, mostly. Yeah, and I don't know if you found this either, but even at that point, 
<laughs> they still celebrated pretty hard as even on Christmas believers who attended the church and it would get rather raucous themselves. Yes. Well, and yes, it's great that you say that because that was one of the funny things about it is when the Christians and you probably find this thing's thing is when the Christians kind of let the pagan holiday day be the day they lost kind of control over what happened on that day. That's what, that's what they gained for it. So then you have this mixing of all these traditions, Christian, and pagan and it's kind of you know the partying and the drinking because like i said they they maybe could say this is the day we celebrate this but then you can't exactly control how people celebrate because you're combining with a holiday that was already there well and some interesting kind of traditions i guess you call them or things people did at this time were were a little weird in each year it says a beggar or student would be crowned uh lord of the misrule Yep, yep, yep. And eager celebrants played the part of his subjects. And then the and then another one, like the poor would go to the houses of the rich and demand their best food and drink. And then if the owners failed to comply to those wishes, their visitors would most likely terrorize them with mischief. Which is almost like a Halloween thing now. This is just so weird, you know. It's a, a, a similar to that. And it's it's just interesting how you can see that. Yeah. <laughs> it was just, it would be such an odd time. I mean, I think if you were part of the wealthy society, it would just be like, oh, just give them what they want <laughs> and let's, let's move on. But there were probably some very stubborn ones, you know, the story of like Scrooge, Scrooge is out there like, no. <laughs> and we can get into him just a tad bit later. <laughs> I have a little tidbit on him. He's very important to the actual Christmas holiday in the United States, especially. So they started really seeing as Christmas being a time of year where the upper class could repay their real or imagined debt to society by doing these things for the less fortunate. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 thought, even though it's not quite to that extent, I, I do think that tradition that tendency of looking after those less fortunate it has still carried to the to today you read stories about people purchasing uh, gifts for other people or meals or whether it's a food drive you you do see people making an effort and that's always nice to see that tradition kind of carry on mm-hmm and we can get a tad bit more. I know we had a couple pagan pagan traditions. I don't know if you would consider them pagan, but older traditions that have carried on into kind of what's coming, <laughs> what what is being celebrated today. Oh, you're talking about you're talking about my uh, special list here. Yes, yes, yes. I have one I want to add into, but okay. So yeah, um, let's start with fruit cakes. The wonderful fruit cake everybody loves. <laughs> and so uh fruit cakes if you're not familiar i'm sure most of you are they are fruit laden cakes and they were a treat in the time of yore or the yule time uh but they actually have their origins in egypt and they were basically picked it was picked up by the romans and as the romans conquered parts of europe's uh, the the cakes basically got spread <laughs> spread across Europe. 
I hate fruitcakes, by the way. I think they're just but yeah. Well, they're <laughs> yeah, they're just they're very dense, long lasting, and brandy fruit studded cakes. <laughs> um, but the Egyptians originally placed the cake cakes of fermented fruit and honey on the tombs of their deceased loved ones so that they would have something to munch on in the afterworld. Hmm. Uh, that was rather interesting and so that makes that sense being, why they last so long then I guess. you would so want them to point, yeah. yeah you'd want them to last <laughs> uh and then the romans made similar took similar cakes into battle made of mashed pomegranates and barley and then uh when the christians went on crusades they basically had a similar thing but they were like more like honey cakes hmm. because they just lasted so long and, and honey lasts supposedly like forever i think supposedly yeah i think yeah i'm pretty sure honey can last (laughs) maybe not forever but i I think i shouldn't spread a story that i just randomly heard on facebook but i thought they had unearthed a tomb and there was some honey in it and somebody tried some of it and it was like fine but i shouldn't spread that story without actually looking at it so (laughs) but i just did of course but that's okay but that'll take us to our next tradition of caroling. And I guess where that came from. Hmm. Well, was it just part of the general celebrating they did? Kind of. Although this would probably have been hilarious back in the day. I mean, I could I could see if this like train started, you probably get a pretty good crowd of people, but it actually began as a Germanic and Norse tradition of wassailing. And they would go from home to home, drunk off their bums, uh, singing to their neighbors and celebrating their good health. I think that's what I'm going to do in your campaign next time we play. If we get a chance to have a party again, I'm just going to start wandering through the streets singing. (laughs) (laughs) And their traditional wassail beverage that they carried with them was a hot mulled cider spiked with alcohol. So it makes sense. You got to stay warm while you're singing in the middle of December and <laughs> freezing, bringing, bringing drunken cheer to your neighbors. But yeah, you're just sitting there quiet evening and then you hear, <laughs> hear all these drunken people coming up to your doorstep. Speak, can I, this would be a good time to chime in with the eggnog. So, <laughs> so according to what I found, uh, according to reports of Captain John Smith, Smith, the first eggnog made in the United States was consumed in 1607 in the Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Fun fact. <laughs> Love eggnog. Remember the scene in Christmas, we just watched this, but the scene in Christmas Vacation where Cousin Eddie and Clark are drinking the eggnog and he just busts that like windmill thing he has, that little spinny thing, just like, just like blows up and he touches it. It's just like, I don't know, that scene always cracks me up because he just, he doesn't care either. He just like, no, no, even sorry, I broke this. It's just, eh, I broke your thing. Moving on to. We're moving on. Yeah. So nonchalant about it. That whole movie, he. He is the best character in those movies, Cousin Eddie is. <laughs> we have to talk uh, about Christmas movies a little bit. And that, a little that bit. is probably my favorite Christmas movie. That and Christmas Story are probably my two favorites. You have a favorite? Most uncomfortable Christmas movie. I, I like A Christmas Story. That one's really good. Well, <sighs> that one's always on. Uh, I usually always watch... Christmas, the Christmas vacation. I'm trying to think of others that I watch, but 
I mean, Elf is like there's other ones that are okay. Like I like Santa Claus, the Tim Allen one. Elf. Okay. Those are those yeah. are good. I I do like Elf for laughs. Uh, the new animated Grinch. I, I that's really grown on me. The Jim Carrey one's good too, though, in its own right. Yeah, yeah. No, they're they both have their shining moments so. and the original one i mean you have to like the original yeah. one at least a little bit this is a kind of an honorable mention one that i always watch every year that's probably not really common is uh there was a garfield christmas special that i really like <laughs> that was on back in the day a lot when <laughs> i was charlie younger one. yeah when i was younger i was about to say charlie brown watched that one quite a bit rudolph of course yeah those old those old animated um, ones. mr white christmas I'm Mr. Snow. <laughs> Classic. Yeah, we used to watch. I, yeah, there was a, quite a few we watched every year, but now we have the list gets like longer and longer every year as more Christmas movies comes out. Come out. <laughs> One of my favorite moments in movie history. I don't care what you think of the movie, but in Batman, Mr. Freeze with Ivy, <laughs> when he, you have Arnold there in his suit making all his henchmen <laughs> sing that song. <laughs> he's just sitting there yelling at him sing sing and they're trying to eat like frozen dinners that movie i know a lot of people don't like the third and fourth of that set of batman movies i'm a little biased because i they were like in my childhood sweet spot but i really do enjoy those movies i know they're they are kind of cheap like corny compared to like batman and batman returns but they do hold a special place in my heart that part every time gets me so yeah same same thing for me just right in that moment (laughs) i look back on it and i know my mom probably didn't appreciate all the times we watched it but (laughs) yeah we watched it a lot we did (laughs) all four of them actually so but yeah i guess getting back on track here um with another tradition mistletoe Hmm. yeah uh, which considered in europe back in the day it was it was considered a magical plant especially among the druids and vikings and it also does hold some significance in native american cult uh, tribes and cultures as well um, but the ideal idea behind mistletoe is is not a modern idea by christmas uh, because romans partook of fertility rituals beneath the mistletoe <laughs> so when you say fertility rituals they were <laughs> like i guess i'll say is it wasn't stuff to make them more fertile it was to act it was the actual active i assume right i assume that huh. <laughs> well man we get the short end of the stick yeah someone's at the family gathering just getting busy under the mistletoe it's like oh <laughs> aunt susan's you know over there again getting at it Oh man, that's funny to think of it as what it's been turned into. I understand it's, but I guess during those crazy festivals back in the day, I guess you'd probably yeah, see if it you, everywhere. So it's like, yeah, if you think of how they celebrated, you know, their Saturnalia, it, it makes sense. It's right yeah. in line with. All uh, right, that's going to be the definite thing. If we take anything from all of this for our world, it's that magical <laughs> it's like, mistletoe. Well, to make it some different plant, yeah. You can make it a casting component for some random love spell. <laughs> that would be interesting. I like that. Uh, but yeah, it did always go so far, especially going back to the Norse tribes. Uh, Mistlestowe also stood as neutral ground for feuding tribes who would lay down their weapons in order to negotiate 
beneath the beneath the mistletoe so they would basically it's a sign of peace Hmm. and that they would meet under and basically try to negotiate peace and then (laughs) that's yeah Uh, i like that and then the druids thought it could protect them uh from thunder and lightning as well I could see some druid holding like an umbrella made out of mistletoe up in the storm. Yeah, you just have like a pole with some mistletoe hide. It's all right. It's I've got my mistletoe. You better hope you didn't anger me. Yeah, even if you made Odin mad that year, you can hold on the mistletoe and he's not going to strike you down. <sighs> But did you know mistletoe is actually really poisonous? I didn't know that. I, I, I did know that. I don't remember where I heard that at. That's why we don't use real mistletoe anywhere I've ever been. <laughs> yeah. It, any, if someone has it up, it's usually plastic because it is apparently super poisonous. But <laughs> yeah, it, I thought that was very interesting. So mistletoe has been around for a really long time. And today you get, you get a peck on the cheek, probably from an aunt or grandma. Yeah. <laughs> I always try not to hang out under them too much because, yeah, you're, <laughs> yeah. Even though if we hang up any in my family, my parents used to have one they would hang up when I was a kid, I remember, but I don't, I don't think they do anymore. I know we, we've just never done it. It's just not something we do. Man, yeah. we're not, we're not a lot of fun. Although, <laughs> if we get to go back to the old tradition, I might hang some, <laughs> start hanging that pole over there. Hey, uh, <laughs> you know what they up. say about mistletoe. Yeah. I'll see what Jennifer thinks of that later. I'll tell her about that tradition. Like that case. <laughs> well, I guess when people say, you know, when in Rome, that's what they're referring to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when in Rome. Yeah, that's what I'm yeah, that'll be what I'll say when I uh, that's good. That's good. So that brings me to the last tradition I'll leave us with before moving forward, and that's wreaths. And Romans actually loved wreaths and decorating everything with laurel. Uh, holly, ivy, evergreen are the more popular modern day options that we use today. And each one does hold certain significance to why they're included. Uh, the Egyptians didn't have evergreen, so they actually used palm fronds to celebrate the winter, winter solstice. Um, and then the Christians loved holly because of the red berries symboli- uh, symbolize the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And the pointy leaves symbolize the, the crown of thorns. And then, uh, however, when I was going through this, the Advent holly decor was around a long time before Christianity, actually. So pre-Christian pagan groups believe that uh, Holly King uh, did battle with the Oak King. They also thought Holly could drive off evil spirits. Romans, of course, were into their laurel but because laurel was not so easily procured throughout the northern reaches of their empire, uh, they moved to evergreens. So I'm not sure modern day all the, I'm sure different based on your religion or your beliefs or just symbolism that you have or traditions, each thing you add to your wreath probably means something special to you. So with that, and I think we wanted to do kind of some of those first, but I kind of wanted to talk about Christmas in America and particularly North America. And there, this was a big topic and we could have gone on and on about this, but 
what tended to happen with a lot of these traditions, whether we're talking fruitcakes, mistletoe, pickles, stuff like that, a lot of this is just countries as they moved to the United States and moved here. It seemed like a lot of some of those traditions kind of carried over, especially as the United States was kind of getting more and more diverse as time had went on. Um, I'm going to kind of start with some of the earlier Christmas stuff. So <laughs> interestingly enough, this is just kind of a random fact that I felt the need to say from 1659 to 1681, Christmas was actually outlawed in Boston and you could be fined five shillings for showing Christmas spirit. <laughs> I just wow. found that really funny. I just like, could you imagine being fined for being cheerful around the holidays? <laughs> now I'm interested to know why you discover why it was outlawed. Um, not exactly. So there was a couple things, and I don't know if this is directly tied to it, but I guess after, especially after the American Revolution was one thing, English customs fell out of favor. But another thing is when a lot of the pilgrims and stuff were coming over here, I guess they were just trying to break away from some of their old holidays in Europe, I guess that was, it didn't go into a lot of detail, but yeah. Yeah, I had actually done a lot of research on Thanksgiving recently. Uh, I, I teach my daughter in class. So uh, going through actually what happened over Thanksgiving and the English settlers had come over to for basically religious freedom, as well as to make money, as most of them didn't have a lot of money, they had basically loans that they took out to come to the the Americas and for, for that religious freedom and then basically was to make money to repay those loans and start that new life. So it's interesting if that kind of idea of separating would had anything to play into it being outlawed later down the line. Well, I guess just the timing the timing of the Revolutionary War was after that. So it must have been Yeah, tempers that, tempers think, so. rising. Yeah. But it could have been the lead up to that too. I like I said I I know my American history a little bit, but I'm not going <laughs> to claim to be. The official start was in 1775, according to Britannica.com. But yeah, yeah. So just, I mean, we could get to that. But so let's see. Then we're going to move forward a little bit into the 19th century. And there was a lot of class conflict with unemployment being very high and gang rioting was often occurring during the holiday season. So in 1828, there was a large police force formed in response to a Christmas riot, which prompted the upper class to change the way Christmas was celebrated. So this, what I was reading kind of about that is it's basically in order to change it, where kind of the richer people were kind of helping out the poor. And it was kind of a way of giving back. And I even, you were kind of talking about the Lord of Misrule and stuff like that. I noticed it had tied back into that a little bit because it was kind of similar where it's like you have all these people that are unhappy causing a lot of trouble that time of the year. And so the rich people decided to kind of help them out and make it a time of giving, probably partially just so their stuff wasn't being destroyed. But it's it's still nice that they <laughs> kind of moved that direction. So Yeah, definitely. That's... It's really interesting so much <laughs> so much strife caught in the middle of something that's supposed to be a time of celebration. It, it's you you think of and, and it's just because you know when we were born and we've been raised under certain traditions and so to think of the origins of this holiday in our country is is really interesting to know that there is so much conflict. 
And so a lot of this, and I guess this would have been before when the riot was, but I'm guessing over time, especially when the riots started happening, maybe the people looked to these books for inspiration. Um, In 1819, Washington Irving wrote a, it's called book, that's the sketchbook of Jeffrey Cran. It's basically a series of short stories about the celebration of Christmas in an English manor house. And it involved like squire, the, a squire inviting peasants into the home to celebrate. It showed people of different classes celebrating together. It wasn't actually based on anything the guy had ever attended. So he, it's kind of funny. He kind of almost invented their tradition himself. And I also saw the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol was kind of similar where it showed the importance of charity as well as helping out towards like immigrants and stuff like that. So it, it's interesting, these stories, it's like they've been around, we've all heard them. I didn't realize how much of the, you know, they really almost started founding some of the current Christmas traditions, along with bringing some of those other ones in that had been around for a while from other cultures and stuff. It's like, it's weird to think those were kind of like the origins of Christmas to some extent, here in the United States, at least. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure they've pulled from some of the older traditions, but it it was from what you've described, it was almost them trying to highlight and emphasize what should be important, Mm -hmm. especially in a time where you're dealing with so much aggression, taking a step back and trying to remind everyone what we should be focusing on all the time. But you know, yeah. (laughs) Um, Just to really quickly with this is, Basically, as time went on, I guess people started looking more towards immigrants, Catholics, and Episcopalian churches to see how the holiday should be celebrated. And really, these religions and even the immigrants kind of reinvented the holiday to fulfill the needs of a growing nation and this idea of togetherness and giving and being generous. Um, and it was became a federal holiday in the U.S. in 1870. So it, it, it really was kind of this, you know, you think of like Catholics and the Episcopalian churches and even just immigrants coming over here and bringing all this together. And just over time, you keep adding traditions. And I think every family has some different traditions and stuff like that. I know some people and some things are very important to some groups and other families. It's like, no, we don't really bother with that. And, and you could speak. I, I know for an example my wife particularly like they really she really likes the stockings that's one of the things and there's different things like that but the stockings and not that we didn't enjoy stockings in my family but it wasn't something that we was like oh this is like the best part you know everyone has something a little bit different they like uh definitely i i remember doing stockings but they would mostly have like really small things or candy and i know like that was usually the first thing we would have to open um I also know that there, I don't know if you did this, but opening like one present the night before or some families like to do everything (laughs) the night before instead of the morning. Well, we kind of got it as a bribe because we, we went to a private school (laughs) and church. So we actually had, we got a presence like quite a few nights ahead of time. And the way we would do it is like the presents that we got early were from mom and dad and the stuff you got like Christmas day, of course, was from Santa. But I remember we had like a school like program we had to do. And then you had the church program you had to do. So you really (laughs) had these. And so basically we would be get bribed like several nights before is like, if you did go to the program and behaved, you got to open a present each of the nights. And I think that's also when we did sibling gifts. So like my brother, you know, we would get each other something. So one Mm -hmm. night you get to open those. And so it wasn't like a lot, but it was just, it was something we did that too, I think. And 
we usually celebrated Christmas at our house on Christmas Eve because we would go to my grandma's on Christmas Day. So you just we always did Christmas on Christmas Eve. Yeah, when I was younger, we did it in the morning. There was the whole lead up till Christmas and you'd wake up Christmas morning and go to the front room and Santa had come and there'd be presents under the tree. And, you know, I remember there being some years where I'd get really worried because there'd be no presents. And I, I remember I stayed up late one night and snuck down and it was really late and there were still no presents. And You're I remember like, oh, going, <laughs> you were yeah. on the naughty list that year for sure. Yeah. I was like, I was in my head like, Oh, what did I do? <laughs> Yeah. And then later, I, as we got older, we started having, you know, there were, it was grandma's house to go to Christmas day. And so I, we started transitioning to more doing it the night before and then spending Christmas day with relatives. So speaking of that, we got to talk about Santa Claus and this might help us get off his naughty list. So or if we're on that borderline, this might get us onto the <laughs> nice list. So, so I have, a there was a lot about Santa Claus and I'm going to try to kind of summarize some of this as best I can, but his origins can be traced back to the monk St. Nicholas, who was born in Turkey around 280 AD, and he gave away all of his inherited wealth to travel the countryside helping the poor and sick. I found one of his most famous stories, I guess, was he helped three girls from being sold into slavery or prostitution by giving them dowries. That's one of his more popular stories of something he did. Um, interestingly enough, he died on December 6th. <laughs> so another oh, wow. December day, it's just interesting. You see all these things in December. And I think I mentioned this earlier, but a lot of the saints, like their deaths were more significant because that's when they became more of like a martyr or a saint for the, you know, whatever particular cause they were championing. But so he, due to this, he became a popular saint through Europe during, especially during the Renaissance um, it actually made its way into America during the late 1800s when Dutch families gathered to honor the death of St. Nicholas or Sinterklaas. I'm probably pronouncing that slightly wrong, but that's where, one of the, another where the name comes from of Santa Claus. So in 1822, an Episcopal minister, Clement Clark Moore, wrote a poem called An Account of a Visit from St. Nicholas, more popularly known as was the night before christmas <laughs> so <laughs> that's actually that story is where a lot of like the modern version of santa claus comes from i i know the poem is extremely famous but it's the same thing as mm -hmm. like the christmas carol and all that i didn't realize that's really where the modern accounting of santa comes from it'd be interesting it's just interesting to think about i'm going to write a story that about a guy that breaks into your house at some point during the night and doesn't steal anything but leaves you goodies yeah so never well and this actually i say this isn't in the 1890s the salvation army would dress up unemployed men to solicit donations for free meals that they provided and that's they ring the bells to this day i know around here a lot of them don't actually dress up as santa but that's where that whole thing started at <laughs> um, yeah i've, I've yeah. noticed around here they they do wear red i don't think they dress up as santa but they they still wear red of this of the salvation army but and a couple more little tidbits with him is christ kind or chris kringle was believed to deliver presents to well-behaved swiss and german children meaning christ child christ kind is an angel-like figure often accompanied by saint nicholas on the holiday missions in scandinavia there was a jolly elf named i'm not going to get this right jolton <laughs> tin 
was thought to deliver gifts in a sleigh drawn by goats. <laughs> English legend uh, explains that Father Christmas visits his home on Christmas Eve to fill the stockings with holiday treats. Pierre Noel is responsible for filling the shoes of French children. In Italy, there is a story of a woman called La Befana, a kindly witch who rides a broomstick down chimneys of Italian homes to deliver toys into stockings of lucky children. I bring some of these up because you can just also see these influences from these other countries and just mm-hmm. whether it's, you know, the shoes, the stockings that's coming down the chimney. It's just like where you do see this big mixing pot. And that's like I always said why I chose some of the American stuff, because it just seems like we've mixed all this together, which is what I love about the holiday, in addition to all the family stuff. Um, also, just so I don't forget to give credit to these, a lot of the information I got was actually off the History Channel website. They had several really good articles. One of them was Christmas Christmas Traditions Worldwide, and there was one on Santa Claus. Um, they didn't really have specific authors. It was just by the editors of the History Channel. But I, I really actually enjoyed all of these. and I believe that's it. where I found some of mine as well. I did go and try to back up as much information. So I had multiple sources and everything checked out. So... Yep. And I even some of the stuff you were saying, I had actually found and I did backup sources as well. So hopefully between the two of us, we didn't butcher anything too bad. Sorry if we got something wrong, you can feel free to correct us and we'll point it out on a future episode. But But, yeah, (laughs) let's all give one big cheer to the legend of, of Santa. Yeah, I come a long way. Well, and I think he embodies this idea of giving giving because you want to and this idea of you're giving to be kind and generous and i think we should try and it would be nice if the whole season you know if all we were like that all the time but it is nice at least we have this time of the year where we can embody what you know that niceness and that kindness for the sake of being kind and not expecting to get something out of it yeah not so much focused on wealthy versus poor or anything like that just regardless of where you are in life or what your status is, just taking a moment to think of others before yourself, I think it's just a really nice message and something that as a human, just it's a good feeling and thought to have in your head. And let's not forget, uh, giving in, in a way is a form of a gift. I mean, Mm -hmm. just seeing someone else, have their day just brightened and changed can be a really powerful moment. And yeah, that's, that's really nice. Uh, I know my daughter's been kind of discovering (laughs) the magic of gift giving. I don't know if yours does that, but she'll, she'll wrap stuff up and (laughs) come and give it to me. Yeah, I actually have had that same experience. You're never sure what you're going to get in those bags, but (laughs) I had to tell her one time, I don't know, what was it she was giving me? It was something of hers. And it's like, well, you know, someone else got you. This is a nice gift. You you know, I don't really, I I didn't really say I didn't want it, but it was like, someone gave this to you. You know, they're going to be kind of sad that you gave it to me. I don't remember what it was. It was some random like thing. And it was like a handmade gift from someone else. And I felt kind of bad taking it, but... (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, yes. yeah. So I think they do get to see the joy of you know the idea of giving somebody else something too. So hopefully we did Santa Claus some justice there. Hopefully we've put that needle a little more towards the good side. Yeah, at least uh, we just have to barely make the nice lifts. Hopefully, so. Um, since we have, I know this was a little bit of a different episode, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. We just like to change it up a little bit for the holidays. It kind of 
breaks up stuff for us. And I, I do enjoy doing some of this research, but just to get a little bit into world building, we kind of wanted to talk about what we're going to kind of do for our, we can call it, we'll say our Christmas holiday, but it'll probably have a completely different name and some stuff we want to take away from these traditions and just kind of our own stuff a little bit that we're going to put in. And some of this is subject to change, of course, but. Yeah, definitely. It, again, this is all a work in progress. So basically what I've had so far is basically a day of admiration and admiration is something that's regarded as impressive or worthy of respect. So basically a day of warm wishes and respect respect or having pleasurable contemplation of yourself and choices, decisions, where you're at in your life. But I saw it as being part of basically a two-month period of peace where wars tend to be put on hold, a time where individuals can let go of grudges and a time that's really seen to try and help preserve peace and goodwill uh, rather than agitate or, you know, try to uh, be aggressive. Not saying that it couldn't happen in the world, but trying to think of a holiday that that isn't Christmas. I know like Halloween, we don't want to do yeah, we don't like want to do Christmas. Day, yeah. We don't want to do, you know, Santa's going around. I think we can look to, you know, I know we talk about World of Warcraft a lot, but they have a very similar thing to Santa. And so I, I really see this holiday beginning a really long time ago from those that survived a horrible event known as the calling that had ravaged the planet. And this great draconum of light, uh, and her name was Lumina, rallied the fractured races of our world together and were able to end this purge and were able to chase off a great evil. Now, the details of this are all mystery because it's happened so long ago, but Lumina had basically sacrificed herself in this conflict, but in the wake of that sacrifice, those remaining banded together to rebuild and establish a future that was free for them to make their own. Now, obviously, so much has happened. We we do we are building a very rich background with this. So there's a lot that's happened after this. And so I'm really interested to see how we can work together to add to this holiday. Like I said, I kind of like the idea of Odin as well, where, you know, maybe some places people really fear, you know, a certain time or a certain mythical or legendary figure. Uh, just as with like our Halloween one, this one being different places different races cultures cities celebrating it in their own way and so even though the core of it might be similar they there could be very different things and like we've discussed before that could lead to if another person is world building in our world and in our realm they have a freedom of tweaking it to what they want it to be and the nice thing about this I like, too, is that we kind of start with this one event, but then over time, different races kind of interpret it differently. And that can also 
you know, just amongst the different races of the world, you could have these different interpretations that have happened over the year. And so depending on where you're on the planet and who you're with, you could also see these different types of things happening. Yeah, definitely. You'd have different traditions. Maybe maybe they're telling the story completely different. Maybe they've been bent the story to fit a narrative that they want to tell that embodies who they are. And I think that's really special. And I think we can get a lot more growth out of this, but definitely I think you look at something like the end of the year where you're getting into heavier winter months, you're you're coming to the end of the year, the new year is upon you, any civilized, you know, intelligible civilization is going to celebrate or have some sort of tradition around these times it just makes sense now their calendar might be a little different their calendar might have things in different places but i think again this is an example of you can take the season and the time of year it's happening on your calendar and you can say something happened here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or you know even if it's just to celebrate a harvest it's something that you can kind of look at our history as a race and really take from it. We're creative. We are individuals that like camaraderie. And when we get an opportunity to celebrate, we're going to do it. And whether we're talking our planet or even in the fantasy world, we are very sociable creatures. <laughs> yes. Not all of us, but the, a good chunk of us are... But- we're and all sociable not, to an extent. Yeah. Even if you're not extremely sociable, everyone has to have those social interactions. At least even if you have one or two really close people you talk to, you know, you can't people that go away from society as a whole, they don't tend to, and I'm talking about like complete isolation. It doesn't usually go very well. <laughs> That's probably yeah, why getting outcast back in the day was such a terrible punishment. If you were thinking the world wasn't as vastly populated, it's not like you'd go a town over but, you know, if you were living in like a tribe and it's like you got kicked out, I mean, it would be almost the end of your life <laughs> to some extent. Yeah, it could. And we you see this story play out in many fantasies where someone gets outcasted from their society. And it, it is it's almost seen as basically worse than an execution because they're not even taking the time to kill you. They're just like, nope, just go be on your own. <laughs> so. Just to, do you have any holiday traditions that are, I mean, that doesn't have to be something really different, but are there any spe- special ones that you guys celebrate that you are really attached to? I do have a special one. Um, and it's one that I've started, actually. And and it's something that I think is picking up a lot. You see this happening, uh, the gnome craze that started. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, like on the cusp of this, I... It was uh, my daughter's first or second Christmas that I started the tradition of the Christmas gnome. And what the, does Christmas... the Christmas gnome do? <laughs> Sorry, what does the Christmas gnome do? So the Christmas, the Christmas gnome comes to your home if you've put your tree up in November. So if you put your tree up in November, you will get a Christmas gnome. We're never going to get a Christmas gnome in my house, but that's and a the cr- story. The Christmas gnome. <laughs> It carries around a small little chest and each day in December 
leading it starts in december so leading up till christmas the little gnome leaves like little treats usually chocolates uh, for the child of the home and so every day my daughter runs to the tree to see if our gnome his name is ungus has left us a treat sometimes ungus uh, gets a little busy and forgets so the next uh, at some point during the day ungus catches up with all of that he needs to do helping santa and the elves and leaves her some extra treats so we do a similar one and i know it's gained popularity we do the the elf which i guess it's different of course but it there's some similarities we ours typically just moves around to different locations to get a better eye on our kids every day (laughs) yeah uh the gnome uh i will say also uh has a tendency to play with toys or collect things around the house that he enjoys and he at by the by christmas day our gnome usually has a hoard of items he's collected that he likes one thing i always enjoyed as a kid and i guess there are a lot of Christmas traditions and a lot of things I enjoyed about the holidays and not to be sad about it. I always do enjoy getting to see some of the family that you don't always get to see throughout the year. But as far as something very specific, we used to have, I don't remember where we got these at. It was a store, but we had these Ninja Turtle stockings that had like the Ninja Turtles out of the top of them. And we always hung them on our door and we always got a gift in them. And I remember it was kind of, I think the idea started is so that we would be playing with that toy instead of waking up mom and dad so early (laughs) but I always kind of enjoyed it because it was just like that was like the thing you were just you always hoped it was something really good so you could you know play with it for a while before mom and dad got up but I I know it sounds really simple but I just I really enjoyed that when I was a kid it's like I so what did I get in my turtle stocking (laughs) and it was hanging on our door so it was always something good usually so well, and it is, it's those small little things that are done that as a child, you really remember and they stick with you over the years. And there's so many different stories about Christmas we could get into. And I, I mean, I, we could do a whole episode just telling these great stories. And I guess that's, that is the great thing as a holiday with the kids. It's just, there's memories made that last an absolute lifetime. Well, and especially at a certain age, you mm-hmm. still have that magic of Christmas each e- each year you have the build up and, you know, mine is sitting here counting the days each day. I'm reminded of how many are left and, mm-hmm. you know, the anticipation that's there Christmas night and then waking up in the morning and just that magic moment of there was nothing and now Santa's come and I can't wait to see what he's left me. That's another thing I remember is I remember never being able to sleep on Christmas Eve because you're just you're like it's almost like you were waiting but you just knew it was going to be a great day like you just you knew it was going to be like the day of the year <laughs> like it was just like you couldn't sleep you're just laying there like you wanted to go to sleep so it would come faster but you just you couldn't <laughs> you just it's like well you had the presents right and whether you we usually always did them in the morning but I mean, even if you had to wait till later, I mean, that just seems like torture to me having to wait till later in the day to open presents. But then you get that big feast, that delicious feast later in the day. So it's just a great day all around. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed that rambling, please consider supporting our podcast. 
You can show your support for The Lost Geeks on Facebook and Discord. We anticipate your collective feedback and suggestions. We would like to offer our sincere thanks to Nomad, that's K-N-O dot M-A-D, for providing his musical talents. You can discover him for yourself right here on Spotify. We hope you return for our next episode. And I do apologize for the cutoffs. If I don't stop them, then no one will. They are lost after all. Till next time, my lost geeks.